This is episode 19 of Small Business Rising. My name is Anna. And I am Marta Gabriela. And today I'd like to invite you for a discussion about a rather controversial approach to saving your business in 2020. Civil disobedience. We are recording this show on a December morning from Denmark, which is currently under freshly announced partial lockdown. Among other things, this means that all restaurants, bars, cafes and entire cultural life is currently shut down in 69 out of 98 municipalities in the country. How should business owners react when their livelihood is in danger? Let's discuss the scenario of civil disobedience. Hello, hello. The music was off. That's because my intro was so long. Intense long, and long. Yeah. Intense and long, yes. Um, yes, uh, hello everyone. Hello everyone in Denmark and hello everyone uh, all over the world because we know we have listeners from other countries. We are recording this from a newly, freshly, partially locked down country. Uh, I think it's called a partial lockdown because uh, not everything is shut down like in spring. What's the difference? Marta, do you remember what's the difference? I don't know what is the difference. I think the first wave, all the kids were sent home. Yes, that's now it's only the kids uh, from fifth grade and up Mm -hmm. that are sent home. Shops. Um, shops are open. The regular shops, shops are mm-hmm. open. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because uh, I, I guess most of our listeners who are living in a Western world have experienced something uh, like a lockdown. And yes, indeed, in March and in April, we had a complete lockdown of the country. And I remember it was like walking through a zombie land because everything was closed except of the supermarkets. Because as we all know, uh, confirmed by a uh, scientific research, Corona doesn't attack in supermarkets. It only attacks in small shops. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist that. I think we should approach it with a humor in a way because... Um, I have to say that the times are dark and gloomy, not only because it's December, but because we have a situation that we have right now. But uh, yesterday, the the, the Danish uh, prime minister, actually, no, she wasn't there. She was on a plane flying somewhere. Uh, I think it was Minister of Health announced that additional 31 municipalities will be shut down partially, which gives us a pretty much, I think, majority of the country. And I found it uh, very interesting because I remember quite clearly how in October one of the doctors from World Health Organization made a puzzling statement that lockdowns are not advised way to uh, deal with the coronavirus uh, pandemic, that this is basically the last resort. Uh, because the economical, mental and uh, societal consequences of lockdowns are way worse than um, than the benefits. So it was uh, widely discussed that this should be the last resort because, you know, poor people are getting poorer. I even remember exactly this sentence from uh, from his statement. And of course, he was uh, advocating for other solutions like uh, testing, tracking and uh, containing in that way, uh, which we may or may not agree with. But um, 
World Health Organization kind of backed out from the lockdowns after we saw the havoc that the lockdowns have caused in many countries. And uh, here we are again. It doesn't look like the uh, recommendations by World Health Organization are at this point of time so closely followed by the governments on different countries because I believe the lockdown was introduced in most of the countries in Europe, guys. Am I am I wrong or not? I think I'm not yeah, wrong. Yeah, and in some places it's even worse than here. It's even worse than yeah. here, yeah. Mm. So... So I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about this, uh, um, let's say, this fork on the road when finally the WHO and the government started to go in two different directions. And I was thinking about all the business owners uh, in many countries, especially here in Denmark, because we are a part of a Danish culture. We are not Danish, Marta, aren't we? Let's let's sell I it. kind of am. You kind of am, Marta, kind of. Yes, you have a passport. Yes. You are a Danish citizen. I am a Danish citizen. So Marta is more Danish than I am, definitely. Yes. But she's not a Dane. <laughs> what is this voice? <laughs> no. I, I remember the guy that you brought here. Uh, yeah. I, I think uh, he was talking about Danish culture and the inclusion of internationals. And I, and I always think that he did, did, he said something extremely important that was Danes don't perceive themselves as a people, but as a tribe in a way. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that is very explicit in those sort of comments <laughs> I do, because I think that he's a spot on, you know. It's yeah. A, it's a, you know, and, and, and some of the political extreme right in Denmark, that is what they say, you know. They, we they are actually, a tribe. Yeah, that's true. We are a yeah. tribe. Uh, so, Marta, you are probably like a kind of there but not there how do you feel do you feel danish no i don't i mean i'm i was not born here i did not come here before i was an adult uh, i um i don't have a danish husband i don't have a danish family mm -hmm. so i think in these circumstances it's very difficult to feel danish uh, however i appreciate living here and i'm very grateful for many things i that's the, that's the country of my choice i choose to live here i chose to apply for that citizenship mm -hmm. so that's definitely i do feel like a danish citizen i don't feel like like a Dane. And I think that until the moment comes where I can pronounce the language with no problem and eat lacris, I don't think I'll be able to <laughs> call myself. Uh, I eat lacris. I like it. Yes, so you're more Danish than I am. Definitely. I'm the dark Viking. <laughs> the dark Viking. Recently, I made a mistake. I thought I was making myself a mango tea. And I did a lacrys tea mm -hmm. and I didn't know. And I just took a sip of that tea and I thought I will throw up. I just like had shivers in my body. That was the level of dislike that I had. So definitely not getting any closer to that. Mm -hmm. I know some Danish people that doesn't like lacrys. Yeah, they're the fake things. They are outside of the tribe. <laughs> I think I read somewhere an article that was trying to prove that uh, the... the, the um, Uh, the liking of uh, lacrys depends on your genetics, actually. There is something in DNA. Yes, there were some interesting uh, theories that would explain this because I think that the lacrys is horrible. I'm sorry to all the Danish listeners. Maybe, maybe it's the, for me, maybe it's the fact that uh, the first time I was exposed to licorice. Licorice? It was, it was yeah, licorice. Like lacrys. Lacrys, yeah, but in English it's licorice. No? Yes, that's true. Uh, okay. I was exposed by a Finnish person that was uh, basically a blood vodka. 
And I got so happy after a few drinks that I think that... <laughs> Maybe that's the key, Marta. Vodka and lacris. Yeah. You know, that's like a Paul and Dane together, you know, in one in one horrifying mix. I can't that co- That's called Finnish. Yeah. Fin- Finnish. Finnish. <laughs> Pauls and Danes together are Finnish. Yeah. But we are here. We are in Denmark. Marta is a citizen. I am a resident and we have lived here for years. And regardless if we like lacris or not, or if we drink vodka or not, we are in this country and we can definitely experience uh, what is happening here. And this podcast is called podcast or radio show, however you prefer to call it, or however you listen to us, because there are two ways, is called Small Business Rising. And it was done this year mostly to inspire small businesses and help them to go through this horribly terrible Horribly terrible. That's that's the level of English I represent right now. Horribly terrible 2020. So, of course, we cannot be blind to what is going on right now. And in Denmark, as we probably know some of the Danish culture, because we have a citizen and resident, we know how important December is, not only for people culturally, but also for small businesses. Um, I'm not sure if, uh, if this is the same in other countries, because I have been living here for so long. But uh, the so-called Jule Frokost, Jule in uh, Danish means Christmas, is a huge thing. It's, it's Jule Frokost is a Christmas party, Christmas uh, lunch or whatsoever. Danes are very fond of their Christmas traditions in the workplaces and outside of them. Um, there is a lot of going out, partying, having traditional Christmas food, having a rivers of free alcohol. I know I was working in Danish companies, so I know that this is also a big deal. Uh, so this is definitely a month when Danes are partying and celebrating upcoming Christmas. This is also a month that most of the restaurants and cafes and bars are making the most money. Naturally, that's just how it is. And now uh, taking in consideration that first there were limitation on the number of people that can stay in a restaurant and now basically it was ordered to shut down. I couldn't help but wonder how will uh, those people, the hospitality business in Denmark will be affected by that. We already have some numbers and we already know that small businesses are basically disappearing in in thousands depending where you are. I think the situation is the worst right now in United States because they don't even get the stimulus checks because of some fights between the Democrats, Republicans and some delays and stuff. Here in Denmark, the help for small businesses is, I would say, relatively... Uh, now, some get it, some don't get it. It's uh, it's very unclear and quite uh, chaotic. You get you get a you get a, a number of conditions that or, or 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 things that you need to basically, you know, have fulfill. in place for feel. Yes. To get it, Marta, you have a small business. Um, you, we, I think, kind of, I think. Like, officially, I still have it. I mean, I have not closed it down financially. Right. Like me, because I used to have a small business. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that's... Uh, uh, and I haven't closed my my business in terms of... I haven't called a skate and said, you know, delete it, but I haven't yeah. trade. 
Yeah. So that's that's why I'm saying like kind of, you know, officially I still have it. So you have two people that have sort of a small business that got affected by Yeah. by the situation of 2020, no? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but uh, Marta, I really like your answer. I kind of have it. I'm not sure if I have it. Then I'm Marta or maybe Marta Gabriela. Uh, I think Marta is very confused in this period of time. 2020 (laughs) is, you know, the identity crisis. Yes. No, I'm joking. I I continue with my identity crisis throughout the years. Anna has known me for many. And uh, that's not a new thing, is it? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's actually quite, quite quite a recurring topic, but I think that this year is definitely harder. But yeah, truth, we have two small business owners here. I was referring mostly to these restaurants because they are the most affected right now. They are shut down. I know, obviously, and it's, uh, I guess retail in general, no? Retail in general, I'm not sure because the shops are open. Well, the, so the, you, yeah. you can still go and buy and you can buy your Christmas presents. The problem is that the income of many people is probably affected, you know, especially yeah. if you are a restaurant owner and you would like to make shopping uh, for uh, Christmas or buy some presents or stuff like this. So, of course, economy is a is a circle, you know, it's not like, you know, we will shut down the restaurants, but the rest will be fine. Restaurants employ people and restaurants have owners. And if those people don't have income or they are in financial trouble, they do not spend money on other things. And this is how this works like a domino effect. But the reason why I talk about them is because I I just know that um, this is exactly the moment when they would make the most money. This is what restaurants, bars, cafes, venues, cultural um, events, musicians are counting on because this is when they are getting hired to play for Christmas parties. So exactly in a moment when they needed the most to lift themselves up financially, they are being stopped by a regulation or restriction that they have to shut down. Because, of course, if there are venues, restaurants and other places shut down, musicians cannot play because there is nowhere to play and so on, so on. In Denmark, we even have advice that instead of singing, we should hum. Yeah, so basically, this this is how it goes. And exactly on a day yesterday, when new municipalities were closed, I have seen on my Facebook feed a video from a woman that uh, runs a little Italian restaurant in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, you know, the other side of the world. And as we know, in the U- United States, actually, those restrictions are the worst, probably, uh, in terms of the severity. Yeah, depending on the state. No. Depending on the state. But I would say, in general, U- U.S. Is, uh, is introducing those lockdowns on a really uh, pro-level, level advanced, and she was sharing her story. She actually grew to a, some sort of an icon, I would say, or a, or a poster child for a civil disobedience. Because what has happened at the beginning, and she was explaining that in the in the interview that uh, in interview live feed that she was uh, addressing to her followers and people at the beginning in March when in the state of Pennsylvania it was uh, announced that there will be a lockdown and the restaurants can only only sell takeaway she obeyed so she basically like everyone else was uh, you know this is a new virus this is a pandemic this is scary of course we will obey 
And she locked down her place for two months and she was selling takeaway. But of course, you know, her waiters were not paid because, you know, there was no need for it. And as we know, in hospitality business, in restaurants, you make a lot of money on other things like beverages, for instance. So yeah, take pretty much it's pretty much your, your, your what you do the cut, the, the, what you do the, is wine and wine and exactly. Yeah. And after two months, she decided to open up against the restrictions. She opened up and uh, even more, she has uh, completely disregarded the social distance rules and mask rule. She opened up the business and started to work as normal. And she was describing that the first week she had the first fine because someone, of course, <clears throat> checked her up. She got a thousand, I think, uh, dollars fine for being open. Next week, she got another fine and another fine. She finally took them to court. I don't know if it was the, the specific institution responsible for fining the restaurants or was it the governor? I don't think she took the governor to the court no, yet. No, he took, he, took, he took only one court case. I think it was a yeah. concern in uh, not implementing social distancing and mask. Yes. And he won that and case. And she, she yeah. won that case. She won She's in appealing her, to the other yes. cases. Yeah. She won that case in her favor. It was ruled that it was illegal. Legal to find her, the fine was rejected. She has probably 10 more pending fines and she said, I'm very happy to fight them all because this is illegal. And uh, over this uh, over this month, she grew into a, some sort of a symbol. She's followed by people not only in US, from everywhere in US, but also people from uh, countries she even mentioned, like Norway, UK, you know, they are calling her, asking her for advices and stuff like this. It looks like a woman who didn't really plan or wanted to be a hero at all. It, it, it reminds me a bit of Katniss Ever, Evergreen from uh, Hunger Games, you know, basically accidental, Katniss. Katniss, yeah. accidental hero. And she said that sometimes she receives emails from people who are calling her a grandma killer, you know, or that, you know, she basically is uh, doing uh, bad things and because of her pandemic will never be over or whatsoever. We, we know that type of an argumentation. And she even said she got a couple of death threats. But she said that 95% of emails and messages she's getting are messages of... Encouragement. Uh, encouragement and people saying thank you for for standing up for yourself her business exploded she said i have never had such a good year because people who basically long for for normality and freedom and who do not agree with the regulations that were put in place are basically just you know flooding her little restaurant and uh, currently, uh, I think the state of Pennsylvania again ordered a lockdown just yesterday. We just watched the video mm. of her. Uh, the the, the, fa the Facebook page is called The Taste of uh, Sicily. So you can basically even find her because now. Well, she, she's, she's not in a, in, she's not in a, she's, she's not in alone in this. It's a lot of other people that have done it. There's a yeah. lot of, uh, and especially restaurant owners. So there's people in, in California, there's another Italian guy that's been doing it non-stop, mm -hmm. serving without masks and not social distancing. There's another guy in Canada that uh, had a barbecue place mm -hmm. that opened, he got arrested. 
he they he got into his restaurant and I changed the lock. Mm-hmm. He went back to his restaurant, he reopened it. So there's a lot of people fighting these battles. Yeah. You know? But I think that because she, she also was mentioning that, you know, the, the worst part was the fear. But she said that the fear of not being able to put a bread on my table and lose basically family business. She said that restaurant is running for at least 40 years and she might be 40. So probably run by her parents. The fear of losing my livelihood was stronger than the fear of a fine or maybe some social criticism because she said, you know, of course she has her own opinion about the pandemic. She basically believes it's blown out of the proportion. That's her state uh, statement. I think because regardless of the the, the whatever point of view or position you take into, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding the the narrative, Mm -hmm. let's say you might be in the extreme of not believing anything of it or you might be is you know the numbers are this and that and that you know the discussion is not that one no the discussion no that's is not a, the discussion the, the discussion of these people is at how far can you go because they live in a context that is different in mm-hmm. Denmark you might get help you might have a welfare state in wherever you are and you, yeah. you might be getting some compensation out of the fact that you are not being able to trade yes whatever you know and the status is not the case and isn't the, yeah. the case of a lot of other countries so and even if you have the the social welfare system how fair it is for you to say well i will stop because and then i will see my business disappear no mm-hmm. i mean in the case of my business i have to close it down not because i was complying with the regulations because i didn't it's just because my clientele lost all where you think of Yes. Because they are musicians. Exactly. So I I wasn't planning to comply with any regulations. I found them extremely stupid, especially for me because I work most of the time alone, Mm -hmm. you know, mixing in a room or with maybe one or two other people. What was the point of closing? And they are usually at the microphone when you are in the mixing box. But even even if I, you know, like there was definitely... You know, as a studio owner, I my clientele got affected. So it's mm-hmm. not that they, you know, because I don't have more con- more concerts or money to get in. You know, so regardless of that, it's like how far is that? How fair it is yeah. for for considering you not essential or risk and closing you. Mm-hmm. You know, from whatever reason, because one of the thing is like you can see with the main case, it's just a straight attack in the industry. If you even if you don't like the Ming industry, it's an attack on an industry, which mm-hmm. is basically termination or completing. But there is a lot of other ones that are, haven't been straight. It has been by coercion in a way. Either you comply with regulations and you destroy your own business, or you go through a place that you are struggling. Yeah, I, I believe that this discussion uh, in general about regulations uh, lacks uh, any any type of nuance. It's just like, you know, either uh, you close down and then you uh, obey the regulations and then you are saving grandma or you open up and you are evil, selfish, uh, whatever. And this is the two two narratives that this discussion tends to go to. But what I wanted to talk about here is that there are people who are saying no to this. And this this is what I call a civil disobedience. So basically, it's not necessarily going out and, you know, doing something crazy, 
whatever we have an idea of how you could protest this is basically drawing a line at a certain point and saying what you are saying to me and what you are requiring from me makes absolutely no sense even more it is a danger to my livelihood to my family to my to basically my way of of living and i will not allow this so this is how i see this civil disobedience and i believe that um i believe that it is de- definitely difficult for for people to to make these decisions because there is so many other factors coming into it you know especially i think especially a feeling that i will be alone and i will be heavily criticized uh, criticized and i will be fined you know i will get penalties financial penalties but the the thing is that some people are going to these measures and i will tell you something interesting before i will ask you marta that you i see that you are really listening and i hope that you are i- intrigued by the topic there was something quite amazing beaming from this woman when she was talking it was courage but not cocky courage it was you could see you know i have experienced this when i see people who are afraid of something and suddenly the fear disappears because of certain mm, life circumstances or experience and then they became immune to it and then there is this kind of radiant courage coming out of them not in a way like you know show me what you got and i'm ready to take it all although she made a joke that she's welcoming even more and more fines to come because she knows now how to handle it but this was a woman who was not living in fear anymore and there was something beautiful in watching her taking in consideration that we are surrounded by so many people who are living in fear it's refreshing so uh this is not a program to give you a, a direction to go to this is just another way a commentary this is a commentary basically because we gave so many advices over the past 3 months of how you can keep your business afloat and we were talking about online presence and we were encouraging people on the other side your clients to to support you but there are other ways because sometimes we think in a very squared manner and we only see couple of solutions there are some people who simply will say no to that marta i'm very curious about your thoughts about uh, about this uh, uh, small commentary that i made today what are my thoughts my thoughts are i understand the woman Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that when you are put in a position where you need to choose between uh, really really difficult and really really difficult <laughs> you just have to make a stand uh, if you are in a position where you are losing your livelihood and you are losing a possibility to win the bread um I can understand I definitely also believe that when you are a person who can find that courage and courage it comes from core it comes from your heart i think this is the difference between what you've mentioned like the cocky courage mm-hmm. and the actual courage coming from your heart when you are doing something based on a different type of energy so i'm definitely uh, 
curious uh, for seeing that video and mm-hmm. seeing that beaming. And I think that this is the time in the uh, in the on the earth where where I would never dare to say what is right and wrong. I think that this is something where it's very individual. You as an individual need to find what is the right thing for you and choose whatever is the right whatever is the right thing for you. I think there is place for people who need to show their way this way. And I think there is place for people who can choose to close themselves down in their homes, apartments, and shield themselves from the world. There's space for these people too, and everything in the in the middle and in between. So, um, yeah, it's uh, from my perspective, it's uh, it's admirable if it's really coming from the heart. You know, this, uh, Funny times when civil disobedience is a business model. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> True. Business strategy, I would yeah, say. It, it, is a, it is a funny time. Thank you, Marta, for that. I, I think that, yeah, that's the... That's the, the interesting, refreshing part, you know, when you see someone uh, making a decision like this and, and being okay with it. Being in peace with it, thats I think that's the most important. If you are in peace with your own decision and you feel that you are doing the right thing and you don't have to struggle thoughts in your head, then it's its the right decision for you. Um, I think we are done for today. I hope that you were inspired to think in a different way, not necessarily in a way that we have provided here, Um, and we will hear each other next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.